Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nathan Drolet. And you're listening to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. We are sitting here in extra, extra snowy Lander, Wyoming, and uh, we thought we wanted to record our voices, because why not? It's snowy here. We're not going outside. We're not like that. We don't have skis. We go rock climbing, and no one's doing that right at this moment. And I'm from Texas. So <laughs> Nate's snow's from terrible. Texas, yeah. So he woke up this morning and was like, uh, I think I'm going to leave. But it's going to melt. We're going to go rock climbing again. And anyway, this episode is, you know, we've been talking a lot about patron-only episodes and what we're going to do for the patrons of the podcast. And uh, this is one of the episodes that Nate and I have been talking about doing. Um, what we're doing is... You know, when a hot topic pops up online and people are are yelling about it over at Reddit or wherever, we end up having discussions about it. So why not record those discussions and put it out for our patrons? So this is indicative of what you could get if you're a patron. A dollar and up per month will get you this kind of episode, plus a bunch of other extras and you can check that out over at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. And uh, today's topic is just recently uh, a friend of ours, John Glassberg, posted a blog on the La Sportiva site. And his blog is titled How to Climb V15, which doesn't necessarily, you know, not everybody is interested in climbing V15. I'm never going to climb V15, so... That title alone doesn't make me necessarily want to read it, except for that I'm a coach. So I'm like, hey, I'd like to know how to climb B15. You know, I can coach people. And John starts it with something pretty interesting. He says, my hypothesis, any climber with an athletic disposition, dedication, time, appropriate training, and proper diet can climb B15 or V10. Sorry. (laughs) They can't all climb V15. Any climber with all of those parameters can climb V10. Climbing double digits is an attainable goal for any serious climber. You just have to want it badly enough and put in the training hours to get there. And I think that's a pretty bold statement to make. Um, What are your thoughts on it, Nate? Uh, I agree with it. You agree with this statement? I agree with the statement, yeah. And I'd even go further to say that not only V10, but also maybe even 514 as well. So do you think 514 is a harder goal to reach than V10? It depends. I personally think 514 is harder than V10, mm-hmm. but some people out there might disagree with me. I mean, they're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> no, I think I agree totally and for a bunch of reasons. But, you know, first let's look at the the V10 idea that that John puts forth. Um you know, he, he puts a lot of parameters here. Any climber with an athletic disposition, dedication, time, appropriate training, and proper diet. 
And I think the big one there is the time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that, that rolls out a lot of people. Um, you know, if you have a bunch of kids and a job, or even one kid and a, and a job, <laughs> or even just a job that takes up a ton of your time, and you're not willing to give that up to make time to try and climb V10, then it's probably never going to happen. But there is that option. You can do it. You can ignore your children. You can ignore your job. You can be poor and live in a van. Fact. Which, which you do. Yeah. And and then you can have a much better shot at climbing V10. So I, I do agree. I agree with his hypothesis that if given all those things, you can climb V10. Is it a realistic goal for everyone, do you think? Um, I mean, it depends on what you're looking to get out of climbing. Mm-hmm. I mean, in... You know, it also, you can have none of those parameters and still climb V10. It's oh, just, for sure you can. It's just going to be a lot harder. Yep, um, yep. But, yeah, you know, it just really depends on what you're looking to get out of it. But I think, yeah, I think it's a good goal. Um, it's funny, I have a buddy named ATN, a uh, French climber who, he was giving me a hard time. He was like, man, Americans have it so easy, you know. For bouldering, we have to make it all the way to 8A, which is V11. Right, it's like, right. y'all get to stop at V10. <laughs> like, you know, and with routes, it's like 8C is a big deal, and y'all get to stop at 8B+, which is 14A. 14A, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's true. And, and I think those numbers are a, a mental block. Oh, for sure. You know, I think when you have that big um, stage, like this is where the big number is, it's a little harder to get to. So have we done that with V10? Is that a is that a mental block for a lot of people, do you think? I think for some people, yeah. Um, I think it's going away, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just so many people who climb hard now that it, yeah, I think those grades aren't as scary anymore. Like a lot of people climb V10 within their first few years of climbing. Yeah, and there's enough nine-year-olds climbing V10 now that, you know. Oh, yeah. Seems pretty easy. I mean, that would, <laughs> actually to go on this... Um, kind of go on the subject one of the big things that struck me whenever we were traveling um and doing our clinics man we would work with like some of those like female girls who are i don't know like 9 10 11 yeah if they were anywhere else in the country like if i could just take them be like okay i'm gonna run you around waco for three days i'm gonna put you on like these handful of climbs they would easily climb V10, V11. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just simply, they haven't had access to it. Like, yep. I would honestly say there's, I mean, there's probably, I don't know, like maybe hundreds of youth kids who are fully capable of doing that. It's just, and just people in general, like, man, I go back to Houston every time and God, those people are animals, but they just, you know, they live closer to Horsemans than they do to Waco. So right, right. they don't go rock climbing very much. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that John sort of misses in here. He doesn't mention, and he mentions dedication and time. And I guess that, you know, that sort of plays into it. But I think you just hit on it with having access to it is really important. You know, there are a lot of people who, whose lives keep them in certain areas of the country where, there aren't any V10s nearby. Mm-hmm. You know, I was probably capable of climbing V10 quite a while before I did. The big hurdle for me was access. I had to 
make the time and I had to dedicate myself to driving six hours to try the V10, you know, that I really wanted to do. And, and that's tough when you work a full-time job and you have a kid and you have a, 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 you know, a rest of your life other than just seeking out the next hard boulder. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you're traveling that far, like, it's not really that fun to just sit under one boulder. If you could instead be like, oh, I'm going to go do 10 new V8s. Like, you know, if I go out, that to me sounds like a lot more fun to do more volume, climb a bunch of good boulders, and I'm probably going to learn and get become a lot better from that than sitting under a single project. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree totally. And that's the way I approached bouldering for a long time was doing a whole bunch of volume, trying to get in as much as I can on these like two or three, three day weekends, I get to go boulder during the winter, Mm -hmm. you know, so six or seven or eight days bouldering in a year may not be enough for a lot of people to do V10. Mm -hmm. And that's all some people get bouldering. So, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's tough. I, again, I agree with this hypothesis but you have to throw in a whole lot of what ifs and you'd have to make a whole lot of concessions for people to agree, I think. Mm-hmm. Then why do you think 514 is harder? Because three moves is really easy to do. <laughs> um, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with my background as a climber. Like I've always just climbed around strong boulders. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, guys I've climbed around, it's just, that's what they did where I haven't really climbed around that many great sport climbers and there aren't that many, there's so many more V10s than there are 514s in America. Sure. I mean, just, you know, I, the, the word exponential gets thrown around absurdly, <laughs> especially yeah. in like climbing media, but yeah. it actually probably is an exponential amount. Sure. Like it's, it's absurd. Um, so yeah, just simply access and not being around enough like good sport climbers, that makes it really hard. Yep. Do you think the mental toll is tougher with projecting a route that's at your limit or with projecting a boulder that's at your limit? I can see both sides of the coin here, so I'm curious what you think. Oh, I think routes. Like I've I've never in my life been nervous about boulders. Like and this is it may just be because I have more bouldering experience, but man, I'll like, I get downright nervous when I'm tying in for a red point. Sure. But, sure. I mean, boulders, it's, you know, you can, even if you blow the last move, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But and I think, I bet you've encountered this. I bet you have clients that just can't wrap their heads around trying a problem if they can't do all the moves on day one or day two, you know, if you spend more than a couple of days on a problem and you still haven't done all the moves, it's really easy to just say, that's way out of my league. I'm moving on. You know, and I think if you don't have access to bouldering, you know, right outside your door and you don't get to do it a lot, I think that's a trap people fall into is if I haven't done all the moves, it's not even worth trying. Mm-hmm. You know, and John mentions in his blog that it took him like six se- six sessions or something to do all of the moves of his V15 project, the Big Island. And that's how it was for me for my 
second V10, maybe even my first. I don't think I'd done all the moves in a bunch of sessions. Hmm. Uh, my third V10 definitely took me five or six sessions before I did all of the moves. And it was frustrating. You know, it was the first time I'd really had to work that hard for individual moves that maybe over two or three sessions didn't even feel possible. And I just had to keep believing and keep believing. And I think that's a tough thing to do. Whereas with a lot of 514s, you're going to be able to do all of the moves fairly quickly. So I think it's easier for people to believe there. But the time commitment for a 514 is probably considerably harder, especially for a weekend warrior. Yeah. And you have to have a belayer. Yep. That's a big, that's a really tough one. <clears throat> Versus boulders, you can go out alone all the time. So you can, if you are really time crunched, like bouldering is a much easier way. Also, I mean, training endurance, just, it takes time. Yeah. Like there's no, you just have to log hours at some point where bouldering, man, you can get a lot done in a really short amount of time. Yeah, I definitely, and, and I, you know, I, I can't say that one versus the other is a direct comparison, but I definitely trained harder to climb 514 than I did to climb V10. Of course, I had already trained up to being able to climb 514 before I started trying V10. So, you know, there's definitely some, you know, I can't compare the two directly, but, uh, but the push to 514 was excruciating for me mentally because of falling off of the last move on what would be my first 514 and having to wait another season to try it. And the fact that you'd, I'd drive down there and it's only two and a half hours, so it's a lot closer, but I'd get a couple tries a weekend. You know, that's it. When you're in red point mode, that's all you get. A couple tries, maybe three if you're fit. With a boulder, you can try it 20 times in a day. Oh, you yeah. Know? You can try it 20 times in the morning session. Yeah. Like rest for the middle of the day and go try it in the afternoon again. Right. So it's not nearly the the time commitment, I think, for most people. Um, so I see both sides of the coin. I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I think 514 is the more difficult goal. I think V10's much easily, much more easily attainable especially if you have bouldering near you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think that's a big thing that John misses is that he doesn't mention access. Yeah. Uh, are there any other things you would add to the to the you list? You need to have this if you if it, you expect to climb things that would be beneficial. Um or if there's any things you'd like to elaborate on. Let's see what he mentions again here. Athletic disposition, dedication, time, uh, appropriate training and proper diet. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about appropriate training. I think that's a that's a pretty tough subject to nail down. And you know, I don't think that if V10 is nearing your physical limits, that appropriate training is a very easy thing to come by. I think it's going to take time to figure out. I think it's going to you can't you can't just go to our site and buy one of our ebooks if V10 is near your physical limit. You you're gonna have to hire somebody most likely. It's gonna be tough to train yourself in that situation. So it's also gonna take money. 
you know, a good coach and a good training plan are going to cost money. So can you dedicate the time, which takes time away from work, most likely, and still afford the appropriate training? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? You know, I don't know. I guess I have a bit of a beef with the whole genetic limit thing. I mean, obviously, it's a thing. Oh, yeah. I don't mean genetic limit at all. I just mean you're, you know, if you're 50 years old, V10, if you haven't climbed it, is getting pretty close to as hard as you're going to climb, most likely. That's fair. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I'd say when age, age definitely is a different factor. Um, You know, I think a lot of it has to do with, so I've got a couple different things. Main one is um, playing the long game. Like if V10's your goal and you're like, hey, I don't care how long this takes. Let's say you're in your 30s even. If you're willing to say, okay, I climb V7 now and I want to climb V10 eight years from now, you could really like take it slow, like build a massive base and you could damn near guarantee that you're going to get there. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like if you train reasonably and you say, okay, like this year I'm going to climb every V7 I can. Next year I'm going to try and break into V8s and I'm going to climb every hard V7. And then next year I'm going to climb all the V8s and maybe try and break into V9. You can really slowly work through this if you have access to climbing, obviously. But you could really take your time, just train intelligently, like patiently, don't get injured. And like you would end up getting there. Like the biggest problem that most people end up having is no one wants to improve like a half letter grade right. a year at sport climbing. Yep. Like that's really boring. I want to climb 9A tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Of course you do. Like six. <laughs> yeah. I want to too, but I know better. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, I think that sort of ties into appropriate training. I think, I think training, a component of training is the planning and the tactics and, and all of that that goes into building up to, you know, the title fight, so to speak. You know, a good boxing trainer sets up his fighters with with fights that are going to build up to him having this title fight, you know. And I think that's a good tactical way to approach a hard boulder as well. Spend all these years building up to it in a systematic way. Um, but like you said, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, You know, and that's part of the appropriate training is convincing yourself or, or a coach convincing you to play this long game that you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, the thing, too, is when you're playing that long game, you get, have a lot more time to actually practice and learn how to move better. You're going to climb on a lot different, a lot of different styles. I mean, that's just it. Like, man, so many people are strong enough to climb V10. Like, it's crazy to me how strong people are. Yeah. Just all the time. Yep, I definitely see more stronger climbers than I see better climbers, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And I you know, I think it definitely comes from like I have a bias of I feel like I could always move better. Like I think I could always become a better climber. Yep. But man, I feel like most people I see punch way below their weight as far as like how strong they are versus how well they move and you know how hard they end up climbing. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, again, that I think it plays into that appropriate training. You know, the definitely the 
the popular way to train right now is to get stronger, 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 stronger. And like you said, there's a lot of people out there who are strong enough to climb way harder than they are. They should be campusing V10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a lot of them do, yeah. you know? But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily appropriate training for most people. You know, John Glassberg obviously is a good climber. He climbs at the V13 level and has for eight years, I think he said, Trauma. in the blog. Yeah. So building that enormous base over eight years of climbing around V13 sets you up really nicely to climb V15, particularly if you find one that suits you. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that in the blog as well, that, you know, it may not be that he's going, he's not going to go climb every V15. That's not his goal. His goal is to reach V15. So if your goal is to reach V10, you should be looking for the one that suits you when you get there. Build up as big a base as you can at V7, V8, climb everything you can, but go find something that suits you for those first hard, hard boulders. Just pillowy soft. Pillowy soft, yeah. The softest thing you can find. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how about this? Let's say someone's like, hey, Chris, I've got all the time in the world. Like I have, you know, I live out of my car or, you know, I I live with 15 other rock climbers, so my rent's cheap. I have a garbage job that I hate, but it gives me all the time in the world. I'm still not climbing V10. Like, what, like, and this is actually a fairly common scenario. Like, you see a lot of people who get in this. Um, what do you think are some common pitfalls for people in those situations? Um, I think, I think one big pitfall that just jumps straight to into my mind is that everybody wants strength and power to boulder harder. And, and that's fair. You need those things. They're, you know, they're the building blocks of bouldering harder. Mm-hmm. But whenever most climbers talk about, I need to get power, they go straight to the fucking campus board. And I don't think that's the best way to gain or express power. I think learning to climb more powerfully, if you need more power, is probably best place to start and sure the campus board is going to show gains for some people but if you don't have power to begin with you can't express it on a campus board you're just not going to be able to use it you know so I think you have to learn to climb better like we were just saying I think that's the biggest pitfall that I see right off the bat what about you what do you have in mind um man overtraining is most common one I see yeah I know so many people who just, they have all the time in the world. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym six days a week. Yep. I'm just going to get crushed. And yeah, they just like so many of these people, I just want to shake them and tell them to get a hobby. Like, <laughs> pick up. I got a few. Point, they can have. Yeah. Exactly. I got a few extras. Um, but seriously, like there are so many people who the best thing they could do for their climbing is to pick up a hobby, anything like, I don't know, reading, whatever. But they just spend so much time doing that to the point to where they're destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they don't really get better. Like, that's fairly common. Like it's, yeah, I mean, John mentions it in his blog. He said that he had no idea how 
important rest was. And until Mache, who was coaching him in this, forced him to rest a little bit, you know, and then he started to see the gains over a longer term. So, you know, he got to V13 without resting a whole lot, but that's him. Some of us are going to get to V6 without resting a whole lot, and then we're going to stall out because we're overtrained. Mm-hmm. You know, he stalled out for eight years, you know, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's V13, so it's it seems like you're at this super high level, but if you've been at the same level for eight years and you can still climb harder, something went wrong there, you know? So good for John for stepping up, realizing some things needed changed, getting a coach, talking to Neely about his diet, and making these changes to climb something harder. Um, but I think you have to realize when you're overtrained and stuck. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a big one. Did you have other things in mind when you were developing this impossible to answer question? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of sprung that on you. I'd say... A lot of people jump into projecting too early. Yep. That was the second thing on my mind, actually. And while I was saying, this is the first thing that jumped into my head, that was popping into my head, and I pushed it out. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, if you want to climb V10 and you're still climbing V7, a lot of people just go, oh, I'm just going to go throw myself a V10 then. you know. And sometimes that works. Yeah. But then you're stuck again. Yeah, you rarely end up a better climber. It's just like... Oh, you're now a V7 climber who's climbed a V10. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I mean, it goes back to playing the long game. Like, you know, get a lot of mileage under your belt. Like, build that confidence, build up a base, be able to climb everything of every style. And man, when you do step up to that next level, you'll be able to crush it. Yep, I agree. Um, you have any specific tactics that, you know, say there's a V8 climber out there who wants to climb v10 now that he's read john glassberg's blog and he's not really sure where to go next you know other than going to powercompanyclimbing.com and sending us a message what should he do uh go to bishop (laughs) get on acid wash you're welcome Uh, you can i'll I'll send you a link to my paypal account you can just forward me money but seriously, I think Charlie Barrett's rewriting the Bishop Guidebook. So, oh yeah, yeah. So, anyone out there, get to it quick. Yeah, get to get to these things and use an old guidebook that has old grades. Oh yeah, or soft grades, even if you know it doesn't have to be old. It could be a new guidebook. Make sure you choose the softest guidebook out there when you want to climb hard. Yeah, I don't buy anything with uh, anything other than uh, black and white photos. In my guidebooks. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but for real, so V8 Climber wants to go to V10. Uh, what's, what's this person's life situation like? Uh, normal, you know, works a job, has, has bouldering relatively nearby, um, but works a 40 hour week job and gets out on the weekends and climbs hard in the gym when he's in there. So, you know, he or she wants to, wants to climb harder outside. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing, first things that jump to mind are, one, like what I was saying earlier is build up a base. Man, if you're kind of climbing V8 and, you know, climb all the V8s, or if you can't do that, like go back and say, okay, I'm going to climb every V7, all the really hard, heinous ones, absolutely yep. every one. Yeah, don't skip over the heinous ones because 
a heinous V7 is still only a V8, you know, yeah. at its at yeah. its max, mm-hmm. generally speaking. For sure. So skipping those ones that just don't suit you or feel really hard for the grade or whatever, I think that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Or if you do skip them, just keep that in mind. So let's say when you're going to try and build a base up of V9s, then go back and say, okay, what are those really fucked up V7s, like the ones that are absurd? Like, yeah, work those in, but take them just as seriously as anything else. Yep, totally. Uh, next thing I'd say is, man, just climb with stronger people. Like, that goes so far. Yeah, that really does. Like, you know, put your ego in the back seat. Just go try hard boulders with really strong people. Yeah, and that goes that goes a long way on several fronts, you know. Not only is it easier for you to believe that these hard boulders are possible when you see your friends doing them as part of their circuits, but you also get to see these really good rock climbers and pay attention to what they're doing, um, both in the gym and how they train or how they approach a hard boulder that they're working on mm-hmm. and how they work through those points that seem to throw a lot of people off, like a move you can't do for several sessions or a link you just can't make for several sessions or whatever it might be, you get to see these good climbers work through that. And I think that's a big help. Oh, for sure. I think having a good tactical approach and learning that from people is huge. I mean, it's like what you are talking about earlier, like not knowing, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go try this boulder. And you walk away having not done two of the moves. You're like, well, should I even go back to it? But when you climb with someone who's stronger and, you know, they're still very optimistic. They're like, oh, well, I, you know, I touched this hold and like, I stalled that one briefly, so I know I can come back and do it because they have that much experience behind them. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, and you see they're stoked to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Like, they leave excited because they just did four of the moves instead of leaving rejected or dejected because they didn't do two of the moves. You know, so I think that's an important point to to take. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's say you have a female. She climbs V8. Um Let's say she lives in Salt Lake and she wants to climb in V10. Okay. Five foot four. <laughs> okay. This isn't anyone specific. I'm just trying to make it as... She lives in Salt Lake. Yeah. So there's good climbing around. Yep. Both in the Cottonwoods and down in Joe's and wherever else. Yep. I would, A, you know, I would spend some time figuring out what her biggest weaknesses are and attacking those during the training season. You know, it's not great climbing outdoors year-round mm-hmm. around Salt Lake. So I would say spend these months in the gym, really work on your weaknesses, continue to work on your strengths as well, but shore up those weaknesses. Then we go out in the outdoor season, and I would probably want her to get out a little early uh, just to start building up her outdoor fitness and Mm. getting her outdoor legs under her and then pick a couple of nines that are somewhat similar to her eventual v10 goals you know if she's a crimp master there's obvious v10s in joe's valley you know if she's a slab master i'm sure there are v10s in the cottonwoods that she's gonna have a much easier time with than I ever could imagine having. Um, so I would start picking 
picking off things that are similar to those goals and build up momentum throughout the season. You know, that's the way I would start for sure. Word. So work on the weaknesses through the training, and then once season comes along, just ramp up and focus on strengths. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think climbing is so varied, and every boulder problem you get on is going to, nearly every, is going to exploit some little bit of your weaknesses. You know, oftentimes we find ways around them, but if you don't have those weaknesses, then you don't have to spend that time finding a way around it. You know, so I think it's important to, even if you're going to project to your strengths, it's still important to shore up those weaknesses. Yeah. So. Um, do you have anything else? Anything else on 514 or? No, I don't think so. I think, I think we've done enough agreeing with John here. You know, he's just feeling smug right now that we're sitting here agreeing with him it's okay you told him he had an eight-year plateau (laughs) sorry about that john but you know facts are facts eight eight doesn't lie that's true it's true um yeah so i think i'm i think i'm good if you're good yeah all right you know like like we said this is just something that we are going to record and give to our patrons from time to time whenever these hot topics pop up and we like having these conversations. So, you know, if you guys want to listen in, you can do it for as little as a dollar a month at our Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash power company podcast. And that doesn't mean that if you don't become a patron, you are going to stop getting episodes. We're going to continue to do exactly what we've been doing, putting out just as much amazing content as we have. So there's not going to be any losses. I just happen to like talking into a microphone, so we're going to do that more often and give it to those folks who are helping support the podcast. And you can find us at the uh, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can check out all of our ebooks, all of our training plans. You can go buy a t shirt. You can help support in all sorts of ways. You can share us with your friends on the social medias. You can find us on the Facebooks, the Pinterest, the Instagrams. But you will not find us on the Twitter because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. We don't know. This time, 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 this